Hello and welcome back to the Move and Inspire podcast with me, Sophie Deer, where I chat to inspiring thinkers and leaders who will empower people like you and me to live a healthier and happier life. Hi everyone, so welcome back to the Move and Inspire podcast. We are on season three, which I'm thrilled about. Um, We had a short season two because I needed to take a little break um, and I wasn't sure whether season three was going to be a thing, but I decided that it is absolutely one of my favourite things to do to connect with like-minded people, people who... I can learn so much from people who um, I've already learned so much from, people who inspire me daily and I hope will also inspire you. And to kick off this season, I decided that I would do a a little um, solo episode, which feels really scary. I was just thinking my heart is beating and uh, I feel quite nervous. compared to when I interview people and I suppose that's um, me feeling nervous about being vulnerable, Uh, me feeling nervous as to whether anyone even wants to listen Um, but I do feel like this is a really lovely platform for me to share some answers, some thoughts, ideas and One thing I wanted to say was I am not, um, like I don't have everything figured out. I am on a journey of, I suppose, for want of a better word, self-healing. And I've been on this journey for about five, six years. And this journey has been hard. I never really realized I had started the journey six years ago when I was um, signed off work um, but I suppose what I'm, I'm trying to say is that that everything that I say today is not gospel it's not um, you know everyone has to work out their own path but all I know is that I have come such a long way I have come from a place where I had absolutely no self-worth, even though on the outside I looked incredibly confident. My job in TV, you had to be incredibly confident, otherwise you got completely crushed. And I think on the inside I didn't even realise how broken and unhappy I was and how I was pursuing a life that just wasn't in alignment to what felt good to me Um, and I also feel like I was in a place where I didn't see an alternative and the the very first point of me seeing an alternative was through being signed off work and also through therapy so yeah everything I'm saying you know take what might resonate with you and just know that obviously we all have our own own paths I just I do know that I have come so so far and I'm really proud of myself and I'm proud of myself for putting in the work I'm lucky because it actually genuinely really really fascinates me how the mind works mental health um 
how we can put tools into our lives and experience such a huge difference. Like if you had told me that meditation would completely change things for me, I would never have believed you. I remember when I first started meditation, I was like, what, what is this? I sat doing headspace and 10 minutes just felt like agony. And I, yeah, I I struggled um, a a lot. So all of this has been very new to me, um, but I really believe in the power of of self-growth and raising up your self-worth so that you can step into your own power and lead a life that feels a lot more easeful and I think the more I do this work the more I talk to people who have been in similar situations the more I see how people are struggling the more I see how people are not living lives that feel good day to day that are bogged down by stress and anxiety and fear and worry and are in toxic relationships and so I suppose this episode is just me giving my few nuggets of of thoughts on life and what has really helped me make some huge changes so yeah just going back to my time in tv i worked about eight years in tv and i made some incredible friends and i there were parts of my job i really loved like we became a family on set and i got to travel and i went to some amazing locations and i worked with some really talented people but it is a job that completely takes over your life and it's a job that means you have to work roughly what can be up to 90 hour weeks often six days a week um and just slowly slowly I realized that it just didn't feel good I had had insomnia since I was 15 never really dealt with it like there's a lot of people um, know you go to the doctor the doctor says here's some pills take some pills but never look at the underlying reasons why you might be ill or why you might have something like insomnia or anxiety I wasn't diagnosed with anxiety until just before I got signed off work but I think I had anxiety for years I remember even at university my university days I remember the way I reacted to things and um, how out of control I suppose I felt in in my internal world but something like anxiety because it slowly increases and gets worse and worse you don't necessarily notice the changes yourself like I remember my dad saying to me I'm so sorry I didn't realize how much you were struggling and I remember saying to him but dad I didn't know either like it took a professional to look at me and say you are not doing well so yeah slowly my anxiety got worse my insomnia was very often on and off um but I never really slept well. Like I never had a a full night's sleep, always had very disturbed sleep. And then I'd be getting up at 4am, 5am and not getting home 8, 9, 10. Um, 
And I remember saying to another TV friend of mine how when you get in your car to drive home from set, you knew that you most likely only had time to either eat or shower to try and get maybe six hours in bed. And it just became normal. And especially because you're, the people you work with also are living this lifestyle. So we're kind of like all these crazy people feeding all these other crazy people. Um, and I suppose it just ended up taking its toll. Um, the summer before I got signed off work, I actually went to a doctor who... Um, was a private doctor because I'd had I'd actually had bad acne which I never normally had but I was um, a bridesmaid I was going to be a bridesmaid for one of my best friends and it was upsetting me quite a lot it was all over my chest and my back and my face and I um, had tried like six months of tablets and nothing had worked so I went in to talk about that and straight away he asked me how other things were and I was like what why is he asking me how other things are I'm just come here to talk about my spots and we got talking and I said that my job was pretty tough um, that I didn't sleep very well and by the end of the conversation he diagnosed me with anxiety and it was this like absolute relief because in my head I really thought I was going bonkers like I remember saying to myself why can't I be chilled I remember like the young me who was playful and just way more chilled out about life and I knew something wasn't quite right but again I just thought this was part of growing up and living a life where you have to work hard didn't see another alternative and I definitely didn't see that I had any mental health problems so then he said to me so I'd really like you to do some therapy and I was like well I go to work very early in the morning and I get back late and he said well can't you take some time for a doctor's appointment and I said that TV does not work like that you can't really do that so he said when you finish your job because it was all contract work like I was a freelancer um can you start therapy so I promised him I would and that summer I started therapy and I had really bad social anxiety around this point like I remember I wasn't I was doing my best not to go to social events because I would get so in my head that if someone was talking in a conversation with me I would be thinking things like I'm not interesting, they're not interested in me, I'm stupid, I have nothing to say, so um, this is just awful. And then obviously it was like a catch-22, so when it came to be my turn to say something or react, I couldn't remember what they'd said because I was so stuck in my head. So we started to work on social anxiety, which was really good actually, that was something I needed to sort out straight away because... It's kind of miserable to think that you don't want to see people at all because you just are so down on, I suppose, who you are and whether you have anything to say. 
And thinking back about this, it kind of seems crazy because it seems like a totally different person to who I am, who I truly am. And then anyway, I went back to work and I, um, for another job. And I had done a couple of weeks on it and we had just started the shoot because you do like a, a prep stage before you go into filming. And we were on day three of the shoot, I think, and... Uh, it was a difficult job and um, I hadn't slept but really really hadn't slept for about 72 hours and it was like a quite a bad stint for me and I was just feeling like desperate and I got my job in the morning was to kind of get all the actors and everyone to set everyone in costume and makeup and then just send them off and then I could sit down for a moment and 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 get things done and I remember sitting down and I started looking up how I could check myself into a mental hospital because I I felt like yeah I felt like I was hallucinating and I felt it was like this outer body experience I was just so exhausted physically mentally and I just wanted someone to like scoop me up and be like, there, there, we'll look after you for a bit. And I remember calling my mum, crying and crying to her. And she said, look, go back to the private doctor, go back and, and talk to him. So I managed to get an appointment that evening. I left everything at work. We were on like these movable trucks so if you think you film in different places and then the trucks just go to different locations I left my car there and it was in like a car park in Kingston I think and one of the drivers um, drove me to this doctor's appointment and I ended up being in this doctor's appointment for quite a long time and there were a few things that were said in that doctor's appointment that really really hit home about how unwell I was so one thing he said to me was I had a disabled like a physically disabled person come in today in a wheelchair and he said you're mentally more disabled than my patient this morning and I was like oh okay (laughs) right and another thing he said so he we'd just been speaking about various things for a while and another thing he said was I want you to imagine you as a little girl like around aged five he said picture you on the chair next to you so your feet don't touch the floor they're dangling can you and he was like can you remember what you were wearing and I was like yeah this cute little hat and this school uniform and he said I want you to 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 imagine saying the things you just said about yourself to that little girl. And I just burst into tears, like uncontrollable tears. It was this huge realization of how unkind I was to myself, like how horrible I was. And he signed me off work. And I remember saying to him, okay, but so when do I go back? And he was like, well, we don't know, Soph. You've got to work out 
how you're going to move forwards and well we've got to work out how you're going to move forwards and and get better because this is serious so I called up work and said I had been signed off work I then actually spent the next few days having to work from home which is kind of crazy because it's not doesn't really work in that job role but it just shows how difficult it is to to take a step back from that job then we had the weekend and they found someone else to replace me for the next week and I remember that I think I went so a week after I went back to the doctor and then had a really good conversation I'd started sleeping because I did have to go back on sleeping pills but it was like a we realized that it was healthier to me for me to be on sleeping pills than to be awake at night and the anxiety I was feeling at night um, that was worse than than taking the sleeping pills so I started to sleep I was still exhausted um, and I walked out of this doctor's appointment and I called my boss who was a really great friend of mine and really supported me like whatever decision I wanted to do and he knew how difficult he'd worked for a long time in the industry and knew how difficult it was and he said to me um what are you gonna what do you think you're gonna do and I was like I'm gonna quit I don't want to go back to tv this is like such a big awakening but I have no idea what I'm gonna do like no idea what I'm going to do with my life but what I do know is that I have appointment after appointment after appointment right now so I had therapy appointments twice a week I had psychiatry appointments um to make sure I was on the right sleeping pills because they wanted to put me on antidepressants but I said no let's just work out whether the sleeping pills will help um I had all these gut issues, so I was trying to deal with that. I had appointments around um, trying to work out. I'd been trying to work out for years why I had these really heavy, heavy night sweats. Um, And so I had more appointments around them. I was taking my mum to appointments because I felt very anxious around doctors, felt felt like I couldn't remember anything as well so I would finish a doctor's appointment and my mum would be like how did it go and I was like oh uh, yeah I, I think it went all right and I just couldn't remember stuff and I do think that's slightly to do with um insomnia and the fact that it can affect your the memory part of your brain anyway this is a very long-winded story but I realized I really needed to um, focus on me my health my happiness And part of that was going to be getting, like, physically fit. So I started running. And I'd started yoga that summer. And I now was like, oh, great, I have time to actually go to yoga classes. So I started to go to yoga classes. And for the first time in such a long time, I felt so inspired. And inspired by women as well. Because in TV, it's a very male-dominated industry. So I was being like super inspired by these women, especially one teacher, Julie Montague. She just was saying all the things that tied in so well with therapy for me. And it was all just coming together to make sense. And I remember thinking, if I could do what Julie Montague does to a room full of people, if I could just do that for a handful of people, that would be so amazing. 
So I was like, right, I'm going to train as a yoga teacher. So I actually did my personal training course first, then went to Sydney, stayed with my aunts in Sydney and did my yoga teacher training and then came back and did a Pilates training. And then that was it. I was a, a yoga teacher. And... Um, it was so hard at first, anyone who's a yoga teacher listening to this, it's so hard. Like, how do you get your first break? How do you get that experience? I remember I went to a load of um, studios and they told me I needed between three and five years experience. And I was just like, well, how? How do I get that if you're not going to give me a go? So I set up my own yoga classes, which I'm really proud of myself for doing that because it's, it's hard. You rent a space you get a few people coming and you basically just cover your rent. So I was doing that for a while to get experience. And this was this was tough as well. I was still trying to sort out my mental health and my insomnia. My identity had totally changed. I had felt like such a failure. Um, you know, I was doing pretty well in TV. And then I went from that to going around Fulham, flyering, into uh, like putting my flyers through um letterboxes and I was 29 and I was like oh my god is this is this what I'm gonna end up doing so it was tough but I was pretty determined and I started to get enough experience and people liked my classes and I um got some classes in studios, which was really amazing. And then what I did was from going from no work, I suddenly got way too many classes. I was teaching 24 times a week, rushing around London um, on my bike at this point, like with literally five minutes to spare between each class. I would be doing seven classes a day at times. And I'd just taken that mentality that I had in TV into yoga. And I ended up burning out maybe a couple of years in. And I burnt out to the point where I completely lost my voice for three weeks. And I was about to run a retreat and I was so worried I was going to have to cancel. And my doctor said to me, well, it's been quite a long time now. We need to get a camera down your throat. So I had a doctor who did that and he couldn't work it out because there was like nothing physically that he could see. So he put it down to stress. And he asked me to go and do physio on my throat. I don't know if anyone's done that before, but it's so painful. So I did physio on my throat to help get my larynx in the right place, or to help get my larynx working again. And then also I did speech therapy. And what I realized so much with my speech therapy, a lot was tr trying to teach me to talk in a better, in a, in a way that wasn't from my throat. But also it made me realize how, because I was anxious and emotional a lot of the time, I was like that kind of closed feeling in your throat where you can't really get your words out. And that was exhausting my voice. So it was quite frustrating. I felt, I felt like I'd done so much work on myself. I changed my lifestyle, but still things weren't quite right. And I was getting really ill. And a lot of yoga teachers suffer from this yoga teacher burnout, unfortunately. And um, so from that, I decided that I wanted to move stuff online. And I knew this would be a little bit of a long road, but that was kind of my, my aim. And 
I'm just trying to think where we are now. Oh, early 2019, I decided to do my meditation course with the London Meditation Center. And I really got into practicing daily gratitude intentions and affirmations. And that really was like a starting point to huge changes. And the way I was able to be calm, react in a different way, have more space in my day. Um, just my whole mental process changed with that. And I'm so glad I started that practice because then the hardest thing that has ever happened to me um, kind of happened towards the end of 2019, which was my separation from my husband. We'd been together for 10 years, but had only been married like a year and a half. And it was all quite sudden um, in some ways. Um, and... No, it was definitely very sudden. Um, but I'm I'm not going to go into too much detail apart from the fact that I sort of went into this mode of like, well, what do I want to do for me? Because this is so painful and I need like a plan B. If Because I suppose with separation, you feel like, you separate to work out whether you can come back together or go your separate ways. So I needed like a plan B. And I had always wanted to live abroad. And so I did a little trip out to Bali. And because I knew it was somewhere where people did a lot of yoga and it was like a wellness hub. And also that it was, um, yeah, somewhere that potentially I could work online and it and the whole working online thing for me was was really important. So I went to Bali and um, just did a trip on my own. And my anxiety had massively reared its head. So when everything was all very fresh and sudden for me, I I couldn't I couldn't even teach a yoga class. I could not. I found it hard to get on the tube. I remember being desperate to go to my fave teacher cell. Celeste's um, classes um, in London and I just couldn't get on the tube eventually I did again because I knew that that would be really wonderful for me but I was having full-on panic attacks and um, really struggling being in a room with more than a couple of people because your whole world is shaken right I went from feeling like I was in this secure relationship where we were about to move house the house was going to enable me to to film classes in um, in the house, so I was going to be able to do what I wanted to do with my work. So my uh, future prospects of the house was gone. How I was going to work was gone. We were actually trying for a baby, and I um, hadn't had a period in two in a year and a half. So. Um, that was very tricky. Um, we were looking at IVF. Um, so I suppose my prospects of having a family, everything was like pulled out from underneath my feet. And I just really, really struggled um, with that anxiety. And, uh, and so going to Bali was pretty scary. I'd gone, I went about a month after the initial conversation. And I just had such a great time in Bali. I was able to step away from things and really focus on me and I could see another way of me living and 
so I ended up um, deciding that I would move to Bali for a few months. And I feel like everything happens at the same time, doesn't it? So then I think my dad wasn't very well. He was in hospital. My grandpa, who I was so close to, he died. Um, but looking back, I'm so happy he died when he did because then um, COVID hit. Um, and so yeah I moved to Bali a few months later and that was beginning of March 2020 and I had planned to come back in May whether that was like I would come back for good or come back for a visit and I have just not been back since and I within that time I've, I've done a lot of work and a lot of thinking and I realize how I went wrong in so many ways within the relationship and I try not to blame myself for that I try to just remember that I didn't know what I know now although guilt is definitely hard um and I just I feel um like I'm in the right place I did decide um to get a divorce so we are now divorced um and yeah that's where I am now in in Bali living a very different life living a life where work isn't everything like I've really I always wanted when I quit TV I was like I want to find balance but for me it has taken so long to really understand what what type of balance I wanted because my whole life was work and ambition and like proving myself because when I when I came to Bali because I I felt like my marriage had failed that so much of what I wanted from life had failed that I felt like I needed to prove myself so I went so full steam ahead with setting up my membership and I just ended up working really really hard again and I realized that working really hard doesn't give me joy uh, there has to be a balance and I have to find time to focus on myself. So I actually feel like for the first time ever, truly, truly, I have balance. And I love what I'm doing. And I love Bali. But I also am still in pain. And I think that's something that is really, has been really valuable for me to remember that you can be happy and you can be sad and you can move forwards and be positive but still be a bit heartbroken and that things really aren't black and white so some of the things that came up when I asked people what they they wanted me to talk about in this solo episode Someone actually asked me, like, what can you talk about your decision process, like the decision making process in ending a relationship? And I think that's very hard to comment on because it's so individual. But I think being really honest with yourself is really key. So, like, are you staying in something because of the fear of being alone and because you feel like you won't get anything better or... Um, yeah that you're scared like all my I was in a really scary place all my friends were having children and there's me going back to 
square one. Um, but I think for me, something I've really learned is like to say to myself, am I making this decision based on like having high self-worth or low self-worth? So the fear of being alone is a decision on with low self-worth. A decision with high self-worth is like, no, this relationship is not for me and I'm going to be positive about the future. And I think it's, it's so normal to be afraid of the unknown, to be afraid of, will I ever meet someone? But just being really honest with yourself as to why you, why you are making your decisions and how you are making your decisions. And I think it's really important to be able to communicate and have difficult conversations with your partner. And for a lot of couples, this is really difficult. But a commitment to the relationship means hard conversations. And I think that it's not so much about whether you argue, but it's about wanting to come to a res resolution together in like a healthy, loving, compassionate way. I think arguments are so normal. Um, but it's this, this want and commitment that you both want to move forwards. Another question I had was, how do you manage resentment in relationships? And I think often resentment is to do with boundaries and having unhealthy boundaries and I think resentment is often a sign that something is out of whack that you aren't maybe living in alignment with your values and it's that's an like in it in and as of itself is that the right way to say it like get clear on what your values are what's important to you until you know what your values are and what's truly important to you and what drives you in this world in your day-to-day -day decisions until you know that it's hard to make decisions and it's hard to understand what your boundaries are and I think with resentment it's really important that you create regular time and space to talk about things in a safe and honest way like when we're triggered in the moment of having a difficult conversation that possibly isn't the time to talk about what you feel resentment around but creating a space so I actually do this with my partner now every Sunday we we create time to go think through things from the week that might have been difficult we also go through things that we're grateful for and then we have something that we work on together each week or I work on and then he works on his own separate thing but that for me is this like space that I know that if I'm feeling any kind of resentment we'll talk about it every Sunday the more you're the more like the the more you don't talk about it, the more resentment you're going to feel. And just remember that you might be feeling resentment and your partner might have no idea what's going on. We have this thing. And I, I want to say, I know it's a little bit stereotypical, but I think women especially, just in my experience and, and with my female friendships, we often feel like, why doesn't our partner just know? Like, why doesn't he just know to come and check in on me? Or why doesn't he know to do X, Y, Z? And what I've learned is that you have to say what your needs are. 
like actually explain I need this from you at this time don't just expect expectations can be very dangerous so really being communicative around what your needs are and also trying to talk and communicate really consciously like I think that has been huge for me I just didn't have a language around how to speak about how I felt like I would always say you made me feel this you made me feel that and actually your feelings are your own responsibility you have the right to feel anything and everything you feel and then you get to choose how you react so you can't if you feel a certain way you can't change it that was definitely something that tormented me for years like why do I feel like this there's something wrong with me because I feel like this I'm a bad person because I feel like this I'm weak because I feel like this and it's like no you have every right to feel how you do but you can learn to react in perhaps a more measured way and so clear language around how you feel like when this behavior happened like this, I always use this example when you look at your phone when I'm speaking to you I feel unheard you're not saying you don't listen to me you make me feel unheard it's like owning your your, your feelings I feel and that ability to be vulnerable and that ability to be honest and clear as well Remembering we are such different people. We are only in our own heads. And just because we might act a certain way doesn't mean someone else would act that way. So you've got to learn from one another. And ultimately, love brings love. Um, I think if you can remember that you might be feeling resentful, but how can you communicate that in a loving way? Because as soon as you go in, on the offensive saying you made me feel like this it's just it doesn't it doesn't bring an environment that allows um allows for problem solving um and i think that really um getting curious i was just thinking about a podcast that i listened to yesterday with brenny brown and she's like, just get a little bit more curious. Even when like, you want to move on or you want to end the conversation, get a little bit more curious. Ask questions. Ask how they feel. Like if you can step up, maybe they can step up and meet you. Maybe not. And maybe that's the time to really think about it. Like if I'm stepping up and they're not, then that's a different story. But if you can step up and show them that you're willing to communicate in a beautiful, loving, kind and compassionate way, then maybe that gives them the safety to also step up and speak to you in a kind, compassionate, loving way. Someone asked me about how to get past the fear of change and the unknown. And like, this is something I said to a group of people that I'm working with at the moment. My kind of feeling is, what's the alternative? To live a life looking back thinking, if only I had just given that a go. And I think 
I always think when I'm about to embark on something really scary, like moving to Bali on my own, not knowing anyone here, I was like, what's the worst that can happen? And ultimately, when I realized that the worst is I don't enjoy it, and I realized that I don't want to live in Bali, then all I have to do is come home. And actually, funnily enough, I then got to a point where I couldn't come home because of what, what's happened with the pandemic. But luckily, I love it out here. Um, yeah, just thinking like, what's the worst that could happen and name it. And also remember that being afraid of change, everything is constantly changing. You have absolutely no control over that, but you do have control over how courageous you can be. And remembering that failure is just a part of the process. Whenever you you move into something new, failure is just a part of everything. Like you're gonna get things wrong. I get things wrong within my work, my relationship, my friendships, my family. Daily I get things wrong. But that is just part and parcel of success in moving forwards. It's a part and part and parcel of life. It's a part of life. So, so I also realized for me, I'm always way more anxious before than actually when I'm doing it. So I have to remind myself that. Like I get really nervous to go out surfing. I've done lots of damage to my ears. So I get super nervous. And then when I'm on the wave, I'm absolutely fine. So when I'm sitting in that anxiety of like, oh my God, I'm going out surfing, I'm scared, the waves are gonna be big. I then say to myself, you know, Sophie, when you're on the wave, you're gonna be absolutely fine and you're gonna love it. It's just right now that you feel it. And that kind of helps me. I don't know if that's that resonates with any of you. Um, I was asked for the biggest learning from my divorce. I have learned that I am stronger than I ever imagined I was. I actually think that a story that I've told myself throughout my life is that I'm too sensitive and weak and not, not as strong as everyone around me. And I really realise how much strength that I have and I really believe that I could get through a lot of things now so it's actually given me this ability to embrace the unknown and step into situations in where I might fail um yeah so I suppose it's given me courage and I think that I realize that this a big learning for me is that this, this is a long process I go if any of you are going through a divorce it is a long process and not to just think that this is like a something that you get done and then you're okay. It just is a long process and accepting that gives me a little peace. Like just knowing that this is going to be difficult. I mentioned this before, but this idea that I can feel very happy but sad at the same time, that it's okay to feel both. It's okay to still love someone but also want to move on without them. And that I don't have to fix things. Like I'm so eager always to like fix, fix, fix. But when I get sad, and this can be like overwhelming sadness, suddenly out of the blue, I can burst into tears and it it em- like envelops my whole body in a way that I never have felt something like this before. 
And I just in the moment have to remember that this is just a moment. And that these moments are going to keep coming and going and that that's okay. So I suppose some acceptance has been a learning. Um, huge learning for me was realizing that my biggest, hardest, but best journey has been self-worth. I didn't realize how low my self-worth was until I started to do work around boundaries and codependency. So yeah, that, that work on boundaries and codependency and understanding, again, like asking myself that decision, like, am I, am I making this decision on a level of low self-worth or on a level of high self-worth? And trying to always make sure that I'm making my decisions on a level of high self-worth. Because if I'm doing that, then my decisions are in line with my values in what feels right and true to me. And sometimes, obviously, I'm going to make mistakes and get it wrong, but I will learn from that. But really feeling like I'm not playing small, like I'm standing up for myself, that I'm being my own best friend, that I have my back. Rather than, yeah, as I said, making decisions that just don't feel great it's like when you say yes to something when you really wanted to say no it's like you're someone said it earlier to me it's like you're disre- you disrespect yourself that's from like a level of low self-worth and when you make those decisions as well they feel effortless and just kind of right um and people ask me about like how do you work on boundaries and I would say like the more you step into a place where you can express a boundary, the more self, the more your self-worth increases because it feels good and you feel like you've stood up to yourself or for yourself. And then the more self-worth you have, the easier it is to create boundaries. So like the first boundary you create, it's like jumping off a cliff and then the more and more you do it, the easier it becomes because the more self-worth you have grown. And the less you stop, like the less you compare yourself to others. So I really try not to compare myself now, but I used to the whole time. Everything would be like, what What would you think? What decision would you make? And I don't, I want people to make decisions for me because I believed in them more than I believed in myself. And now I'm like, no, just because my friend would say yes to that thing doesn't mean that I would. It doesn't feel right for me. So I'm going to say no. And then I suppose a a big learning has been that my rock bottom has allowed me to create a new beginning. And it's something I really want to spread to people. I hope that if I can help or inspire anyone, it's to know that beautiful new beginnings come from rock bottoms. It's like the only way is up (laughs) by this point. but we have to put in the work and have that willingness and openness to learn what it is that we truly want and how we truly want to move forwards. My final little bit, because this was supposed to be short and I have waffled on. Um, My final little bit, someone asked me life advice if you were struggling. Get a therapist or a mentor. Complete game changer for me. It was like the start, it was like the trampoline to all my change and People who are closest to me would like completely agree as well. Like my mom, my cousin, who's like my sister, Jess, my dad, my brother. My dad even said, 
which was just so lovely just before I moved to Bali I think it was because I did feel like the sense of lightness because I was doing something that was really for me and really what I wanted he was like it's like we've got the old sofa back he said it to my brother and when I heard I like welled up with tears because it was this reminder of how far I'd come um back to the to, to the life advice if you're struggling do the work <laughs> do the work on yourself it just allows everything to feel so much easier. Although it also does open a can of worms because once you've started to do the work, you realize how much work there is to do. So it's like doing the work, but also getting the balance of also just living your life and going through experiences where you are going to make mistakes and being willing and open to learn. Prioritize yourself. Your health and happiness are the most important things in life. Know that you are more powerful than you probably can ever imagine yourself to be, especially if you are in a place with low self-worth and you're really struggling. And that if, if things feel really difficult, that's a sign to you to make changes. Like we have to listen to our bodies. Like all these, all these things that were going on in my body, losing my period, digestive issues, night sweat, insomnia, anxiety, all of it is so much better now I'm living uh, a life that's just, yeah, way more in alignment to what feels right. And truly what feels right for me is not to live a life that is within the kind of rules, I suppose, of a typical Western society. Like I don't want to work a nine-to-five. I want to work way less. <laughs> and I want to prioritise other things within my life. And... Yeah, so just remembering that, that you can create change and that if things feel difficult, it's a huge sign. It's a signal to you to, to start to springboard some change. I'd also say get to know yourself, learn to love yourself and have your own back. Be your bestest friend. And that might feel so hard right now and it did for me. But it is something that you can learn. Like all of this is just learnable. We just never get taught it at school, which I just don't understand. Like I'm actually teaching kids at the moment about core values and building resilience. And I hope to do more work around this. And it's just feels so great to be teaching this to such a young age because I wish I had been taught this at a young age. Um, and I would say I'm like at a place now where I, I love myself in a way that's so wonderful and beautiful. And I never even realized I needed to do that. And I also never realized that would even be possible. So I'm gonna leave it there. I hope that has been helpful and I hope that wherever you are, whatever you are doing, um, that yeah, some of, some of what I've said could possibly be a springboard to create some change and I am sending you all love from Bali and also a huge um, amount of gratitude for your support in listening to me with I feel like uh, you know you never know when you put things out there like is anyone gonna listen 
and I'm constantly doing that with my yoga and so on. So it's um, yeah, hugely appreciated that you that you listen. So I'm going to say goodbye. Over and out. Thank you so much um, for being a part of my journey. Just before I go, I wanted to say that I have a beginner's course for any of you looking into getting into yoga, but you literally have no idea where to start and you feel like, do I have to be flexible? My answer is absolutely not. This course really is for anyone. You can do it at your own pace, but it's also um, structured into four weeks and you can do it in the comfort of your own home because it is an online course and I would love to give you wonderful listeners a big chunk of money off so if you you use the code FC80 at checkout this means that the course will be £80 which is a £200 saving so any questions please email us info at sophiedeer.com we will link it in the show notes below i just want to take this opportunity to let you know about my move and inspire membership my online membership is for those ready to commit to moving and meditating regularly it's not just about exercise it's about a way of life and it's about empowering your mindset with accessible tools for you to feel like you can embrace everything the world has to offer you. Every month we give you at least four new yoga flows. We also give you access to our archive of over 100 videos suitable for every level. This includes vinyasa yoga, yin yoga, yoga and live music, hit, strength training and more. We give you two new meditations a month to help you inspire a sense of calm and focus. We also have an archive of over 50 meditations exploring topics such as letting go, gratitude, acceptance, learning to surrender, imposter syndrome, compassion and kindness. Our community provides a private space for members to share their stories, recommend podcasts, books and inspiring quotes. If a membership isn't quite right for you, then head to my website sophiedeer.com for courses such as the 14-day challenge, yoga for beginners, and self-growth workshops. There's all sorts of free stuff up for grabs too, so just check out the link on the homepage. We would love to have you as part of the tribe, so check out the links in the podcast notes. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspirational tips, please head to www.sophiedeer.com and sign up for my weekly wellness letter.